Welcome back to the Bag Drop Podcast. We got a special co-host in this week. He made one appearance on a roundtable a couple weeks ago, and and the fans just started clamoring. They said we want him there more more permanently. Sure. Mark Caldwell, welcome, welcome as a host. Yay! You know it's big shoes to fill, obviously, but uh, Kevin's enjoying his time overseas, so uh, we got to give him the. The space he's got to enjoy enjoy life too. So just, hey, that's that's good. Just sipping espressos, tasting lattes, uh, gelatos all around the the countryside. And he's look so cool doing it too. You know, he's he, he's just he's just a cool cat. He, did you did you notice when we were down there? He is not shoe, cool. His shoe First collection. Off, <laughs> oh, I think he's cool. He I is not cool. cool. The professor <laughs> is is not cool. But no, what were you saying? Is his shoes? Uh, it, it, did you see his new shoes? He he had some good kicks. Some just brand new. Nice shoes. Um, they're, they're, I, I forgot to even talk to him about it, but he looked like he had a nice new shoe collection. So maybe that's something that you can talk about next time. That He, he is uh, a bit of a, a merch head and he likes to floss. He keeps things really fresh, um, uh, which leads me to one thing I wanted to hit on from the top of the hour in the intro. One thing that we haven't really uh, pr- promoted on the show at all is the society shop. So at the top of the hour, uh, shout out to Golf Blueprint, our official sponsor of this podcast and the spring meeting. But our unofficial sponsor, New Club Shop, shop.newclub.golf. Our merch coordinator, Jesse, is getting professor level quality in the shop now with uh, hoodies and polos and shirts. And we got some alignment sticks in there. Uh, check it out if you haven't. It's one cool way. If you're a listener, we got a lot of listeners of the pods who aren't members of New Club who uh, are looking for different ways to support the club. One really cool way is to jump on shop.newclub.golf. Um, we got we got a bunch of new, uh, it's early spring season, the toques or uh, winter hats. What do you call them in Michigan, Mark? What's the term for, uh, we call it a stocking cap here in Ohio. What do you guys call it? Yeah, it's probably stocking cap. Toque is a uh, very Canadian. Uh, beanie is, I think, a cool word. Beanie's uh, all right. Beanie's st- stocking cap is more. Stocking cap is the Midwest word for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, what's funny down south with our Atlanta chapter, there's a lot of stocking caps. I got to figure out what they say down south. I don't know what they say. Do you know what they say down there for those? But they wear them like mm-hmm. where we would never even consider putting it on. Like we're talking 55 degrees start of your round, seven thirty a.m. All these guys are wearing stocking caps. I'm like, well, how about that's that? Cool, man, <laughs> that's right. Sweat. I'm, it is. I'm just, I'm just, you don't get my head sweating that. thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so shop.newclub.golf, check it out. Uh, the spring meeting's two weeks away. Golf Blueprint, thanks for partnering up on that. That's going to be a blast at Sweetens Cove. And uh, last week, we opened registration for our first Chicago local event. And the summer medal headed to Landman for two days. Landman. Cannot wait for that. Two days at Landman, Mark. What? What? I mean, are you ready for that? I I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. The, the everything everything that Rob does is uh, you know we're, it's an exciting time and um, all the all the hype and all the all the all the news of what that course is going to be and what it is now is can't wait for everyone to see it and and play a really fun event there. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Um, let's get to today's good one. We got a uh, a friend, a gentleman I met down at the PGA show uh, this past year in Orlando and uh, just doing really cool things in the game of golf. He's also 
one of our newest ambassadors of New Club, Steve Sabo, is joining us. Uh, we're going to talk kind of about the future of country clubs with them. I think that's what I want to dive into, Mark. And I think it's actually perfect that the professor was absent today because I, I feel like this is a little bit your your um, domain, if you will, kind of the operation structure and technology that could change, you know, club life moving forward. Uh, is this a topic that you kind of geek out on on your own? I know we talk a lot about that in what we're doing with New Club, but is this something, a topic that you're interested in? Always thinking about the future. What What's new, you know, the, the idea of this Web3 realm and how it relates to golf and how it could potentially even tangentially relate to golf is just, is just fascinating. So, you know, having experts talk about this is going to be, uh, can't wait, can't wait to hear more. All right. Well, that's, that's just, let's dive into it. Here we go. Without further ado, on to the show. Steve, welcome to the bag drop. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You're looking great this morning, showered and fresh. <laughs> Where do we find yeah. it? It's a little rainy over in Jersey right now. Uh, you know, we, we are definitely hoping for some better weather weather to get golfing soon. You know, the Northeastern vibes for golf in the winter is, is that of anticipation. We don't get the, the Florida play whenever you want, love, but uh, we break through some of these days. I actually played this week earlier, uh, and you you can't wait for those 50-degree days like we were talking about with the winter hats. <laughs> so, yes. You know, slowly but surely, we're getting there up here. Yeah, but Jersey, you guys don't mess around with winter hats once we get into April, right? I mean, it's <laughs> just let the, let the ears go a little red. It's we're used to it. <laughs> just good to be outside. Of course. Um, are you a, did you grow up on the East Coast? Yeah, grew up in Jersey. Uh, went to school out Hofstra, Long Island. Uh, offices are always in the city, so yeah. Try state. Hofstra. I stayed always. I have I have a, a quick whip on a Hofstra story. So I was. Uh, These are uh, always good. <laughs> I, I, I'm fascinated about the place. Actually, I don't know much about it, but it was one of the you know I wanted to be a Division One college golfer so bad. And and I wasn't being heavily recruited, but I was sending the letters. I was putting the game film together, put out there. <laughs> Hofstra was one of the places that got back to me. And I got kind of excited, right? Because a Midwestern kid going East Coast, yeah. Long Island, like, whoa, that would be such a different world. I uh, <laughs> I remember breaking the news to that coach. And we had a chat. I never did official visit. He said there'd be a place for me on the team. But <laughs> I remember this coach. I should look him up. I, I called him to break the news and <laughs> it was the most East Coast, like, oh, you're rejecting us? No, no, no. I'm rejecting you. Uh, <laughs> we we didn't, we weren't that interested actually. Like he, 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 he told me, I was like, on you. I love that. Yeah. Oh. I love that. So ever since, and he had a great- Let nobody slide. If you don't want us, we don't want you. He, he had a thick New York accent. It was yeah. perfect. And he hung off the phone and I was like, I wish you right. his name. I probably knew him. Yeah. Uh, I but I would love to imagine who that was. Uh, yeah, and, and and I hung up the phone and I kind of thought to myself, man, that, that was such a power move. I, I feel like I maybe made a mistake, but I also feel like I'm not, I wouldn't have survived four years at Hofstra. So right. did you did you survive four years at Hofstra? I did, barely. Yeah, yeah, we did. It was a, it was a good time out there. So, it, I mean, Long Island, obviously in the golf universe, known for all the incredible private clubs that exist out right. there. What was there? Give us some of your favorites perhaps. And then also maybe what are some of the dumpy ones people don't know that you might've frequented as a, as a college oh, kid? It's funny. I, 
just kind of background on it. I was a uh, my two sports were were golf and soccer, um, and I played you know golf uh, all through high school. And I really the, the competitiveness in high school. It just like they would read your scores on the board in the morning, you know, and everybody would hear what you shot. And it wasn't fun if it was a 55 or something like that, right? Like they're, they're telling everybody. So I kind of fell out of love with the game uh, towards my senior year. And I really didn't play much in college. Like I barely played at all, just focused on soccer. Um, but I, you know, we were out there and, and we would get to play Meadowbrook and some of the knockaround like Muni courses, but they were so long round, like the longest rounds ever. I feel like I played Forest Hills in the city and it must've been a six hour round. Like it's just, and I was like, all right, I'm good again on golf. Like it just, there's no good options out there unless you're getting a private setup out in the Hamptons and it's the best round of golf you ever played. So it's, it's one or the other out there. You're not really getting good in the middle golf. Like Jersey actually has a lot of good county courses and munis that you can jump on and have really good experience. And it's not a five, six hour round. Um, that's one thing for me. I just hate like rounds taking forever. I hate waiting over shots, but yeah, it's it's definitely it, New York. New York, you can see uh, the oil separating uh, very quickly, and you know you're gonna you're gonna have a different experience too. That's it's a lot of what I talk about with the membership and getting new people into golf. If that's your first experience and you jump on immunity and it takes six hours, like the chances of you coming back from that are pretty slim, unless you really loved it. Um, God, that's so true. Yeah, yeah, that's so yeah, true. I'm actually curious what's the difference of, of the golf, the landscape and the, and the folks out in the East Coast versus like the Midwest and the South and everywhere else in the country. Not only that, like what, what type of golfers are out there and what type of courses is it? Is it like what, what's the land like? What's I, I've never really played out there, so I don't even really know. It gets like I would say a lot of the Jersey courses are very different. Like even my course, my home course at Beacon Hill, it was very different six years ago, seven years ago. They, they cut down a ton of trees. It plays very different. They they reshaped everything. It's amazing. Our greens were always fantastic, but it was guarded by a ton of trees. And when they took them out, it plays a little uh, plays a little better, in my opinion, because I can't hit a fairway for my life. But the you know the other people you know have mixed opinions on on a wooded you know golf course or or having something wide open and playing a little bit more um, kind of Irish. You know, it's it's I like that kind of golf, but you know, the Northeast is always going to have a very wide range of, of courses. Um, and even from Long Island, right, you're going to have all of those Hamptons courses. They're, they're insanely challenging. It's all sand-based out here, and you don't know what you're getting in Jersey, but out there, like, the courses are just perfect. Um, you know, that's, that's definitely my favorite muni in the world is Montauk Downs. It's, in my opinion, one of the you know, nicest courses, like public or private, um, on the whole East Coast. I feel like pace back to like the, your pace of play six hours. I feel like if there was ever a place where uh, six hours would be completely in, intolerant, they wouldn't allow it. It would be the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, you know, wouldn't people just start screaming yeah. like, like yeah. move your ass, let's well, go. I mean, there's tournaments. So if the private clubs and you have tournaments that take forever, and it's you know, it's just one of those things that people you deal with from time to time. And it's just like, well, you're still playing golf at least, right? Like everybody <laughs> brings it back to that level. Like it could be worse, right? It, but it's, yeah, it's one of those things that a lot of people just don't have the time for, you know? And I think that speaks to the future of the game <clears throat> from a 
you know, dad standpoint, right? I can get six hours, you know, and travel back and forth in between without, you know, feeling bad of the kids are doing something and you can have a full day, you know, ahead of you. Um, but on the work side too, like it's hard for people to take out that much time, you know, in the day if you're working, right? If you're entertaining one client or you're trying to get around to golf in early, that chunk of time is is really big, especially in, you know, today's you know, workforce, there's, there's going to be the work from home and, and, you know, digital nature of this and people try to squeeze the schedule even more. You know, I think, I think the courses need to adapt to that. It's the, it's the most basic barrier to entry to golf is time. I mean, imagine anything that you really like doing and say, you got to do it for six straight hours, you know, I mean, just imagine like that game of Monopoly that lasts six hours. You don't want to do that. Yeah, like whoever finishes Monopoly. I'm always the one that wants to finish, but you know what I'm saying? You just lose interest at some point, right? Like that's we don't want we don't want golf to be like that. Exactly. The only time I've ever finished a game of Monopoly is vacation, seven days in a row. And then and then right. I get a chance. Wow. You can't do it six hours in a row, too. You know, you gotta do it, you gotta like right. break it up. Of course, yeah. Uh that that is great transition into kind of like the topic of today, I guess, is you know. <laughs> Your background, Steve, is in in finance and technology and uh, a love of golf. And you got some really cool golf projects that we want to get into. But before we get into those, I I wanted to kind of start at a high level with what's happening in tech and and how it's influencing golf. But Web3, I think you, you brought up Web3 uh, when we were down in, in Orlando yeah. chatting. And I, I a lot of people listening probably know what Web3 is. I and very novice when it comes to the world of technology. My cohort here, Mark, is not a novice. He's fairly educated on the matters of, of the tech world. But can you kind of describe for us listening, like what is Web3? Sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been such a buzzword and people get polarized right away. You know, if you say the word NFT, like people lose their minds one way or the other. They love it or they hate it. And there's no real reason why. And, and the way that I kind of always looked at it is it's more of a technology. So I never really understood one selling an NFT. It's like selling a contract. Like I, you can make a contract anything, right? So it's, for me, it wasn't the point of sale in the way that, you know, people should have been using it in an NFT project. You just make anything in an NFT and it sells. For a year, year and a half, that worked. But, you know, it, it, it was more about the technology for me. And it's really just the understanding of, pulling the world from the way that it was and how you got your information or, or connected to a company was always a, a second party, right? So somebody collected your data, connected you to a company, and, and the companies would pay for that, you would pay for that. Now it's just a direct relationship between the consumer and the company. So that in itself <clears throat> is Web3 to me completely, right? Like the ability to connect directly to the companies and the things that you're interested in is is the whole reason I got into it. And it's, you know, the blockchain technology behind it allows all these cool things to happen. But, and I don't talk about my operating system on my iPhone, right? I just text people, call people, use the internet. It's the people have to get past talking about the actual technology and just like you start using it for, for whatever the business, you know, allows. There's a lot of things that it gets to. I, I started a consulting company called Ethereal based around that to help people get into the space and use it thoughtfully for their business. So and what, the way I understand it, Steve, uh, mm -hmm. as well, is <coughs> from, a, from a high level standpoint, it's like the old web, 
was the relationship that we have with, to your point, you used uh, your phone, but often I hear analogies of Facebook, right? Or the relationship between a consumer and Facebook is that you log in, you set up a profile and you interact there, but Facebook actually owns your data. They own whatever you put in there. That profile information that you are entering into the system is Facebook's. It's not anyone else's, but Facebook's. It's not even really yours. Right. They have the they, they have the freedom to do whatever the heck they want with it. Exactly. And this the idea of this Web3, whether you agree with it or not, is the, is the idea of evolving that relationship, right? Rather than having Facebook be the owner of that data, you have to be now the owner of that data. Exactly. And if you want to, and the idea here is, I think is, positive one is that consumers need to control that because I think there is a danger. There is a danger of you not, not having something that you're putting out in the world. So, um, I, uh, I recently went to one of those, uh, talks where, where, uh, another web three expert, which I'm not at all, just, uh, I'm also a novice in web three cause it is very interesting and new, but, um, that's how I understood it. Yeah, no, that's, and you're 99.9% above the rest of the world in that sense of understanding why it's useful and why it doesn't need to be polarizing. It just it will be integrated into business. Like people are using it actively right now in their own businesses. And like Starbucks has the best, you know, case study in my opinion right now. Nobody even knows it's an NFT or a Web3 project, right? They just started Odyssey. It's an amazing project. It's got great utility. They engage with their, you know, consumers. But it, this isn't new because they were the first ones to offer free Wi-Fi in their, you know, stores. And and everybody said they were stupid or, or crazy back then, right? But they were the first ones to do it. It did, you know, it, it incredibly changed the company um, and, and people started to follow. Uh, they're doing the same thing now. But again, they, they knew drop the language because it makes people skittish for no reason. And they just need to focus on what they're getting in exchange for it. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, there's obviously a lot of layers. It's to, to me, it's like a, a new, a new way to interact with the web. I think it's the important one that, that really is more ubiquitous and more um, positive. And then there's, you know, the, the way that, um, you know, currency is exchanged. And I think that's another like whole discussion in itself. Mm -hmm. And then the structure of that currency is another whole discussion in itself. Right. So I think there's like so yeah. many layers of like what's good. Like a whole yeah. And, I mean, you and, and how, how it relates every to day with something, right? That's exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be challenging there, but from a, a consumer standpoint and a personal standpoint, I really see it becoming, um, almost your, your like personal LinkedIn from what you believe in, who you support for a charity, what you've engaged in, what your memberships are, right? Like your, your wallet or account, quote unquote, that you own will eventually look like, you know, whatever you make public on there, that can be showing exactly what you're interested in and you want the world to know that. And it's also proven, right? You can, you can't fake blockchain, right? So it's, it's actually standing behind what you're, what you're saying. And and people don't have to have that proof, you know, anymore. It's right on there. So you can kind of move, move business and, and kind of personal interactions along faster. Everyone, everyone who's gotten the email from the, uh, the, the crowned prince somewhere overseas knows that it's right, yeah. it's uh, good to have some truth out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, it's I, definitely going to be a good move in, in in the long run. It's just people have to, you know, usually take seven years, right, for people to understand new technologies and, and actually engage and, and adopt it. So, Well, that, that makes me feel better. Yeah. That makes me feel better because I'm still realizing that uh, – the the web one and two is not a series of tubes like the state senator <laughs> told us it was and so right. this web three it's like okay all right it's not tubes it's not real tubes let's get over that 
Now, now this this is uh, dismantling the tubes, I think, in Web three. But um, uh, why is it useful for golf? Right, the conversation around this, and I know, you know Steve, you've you got some really cool structures that we'll get to. But like, can we talk a little bit about your your opinions on? You know, we see the NFTs hitting the golf world and different organizations and um, clubs without real estate. We're a club without real estate. I'm sure there's, there's others that are in that are selling NFTs. We are not as new club, but others are. Um, and then you got the the DAOs, the Links DAO, and some others that are are going and and all tied in with cryptocurrencies. So, could you g- give us like your your understanding of how it's is it useful in golf? What what's the impact it's making? To- um. Well. On the links DAO piece, they're just called links now. So I think that speaks to the, where the market's at, right? So it, it was it was more marketing, right? The whole I think the whole thing in in the beginning was was capturing marketing and getting people to look at your projects because it was a hot space and you were hot space in the project, you know, a hot project in the space. So I think Links is doing a great job on communication. They've they've made some incredible you know relationships and and they have a, a great network, right? But <clears throat> it was an NFT project initially. And I think that was only to capture the people who were really, you know, engaged and wanted to do something like this, right? It was a it was a great way to put your flag out and say, all right, well, we're gonna we're gonna gather around this, you know, thesis and and the DAO and in, in its, you know, um, definition. Decentralized it, autonomous organization. That's right. Those right. And it, well, the funniest part of it is they actually weren't a DAO; they were just an NFC project. Because it didn't operate through a DAO yet, it was it wasn't voting mechanisms. So <clears throat> the the point of it is like it was eventually supposed to get there. There's a lot of DAO. I'm in an investment DAO, and we vote on every single investment that we make, and it goes through you know that process. But it's very democratic, right? Everybody can put something up as a proposal, and then we all vote on it. So I think the you know the Web three side of golf is it, it, just. I hope it goes into the background soon, but it makes things a lot more functional, right? Like I always think about my membership and my contract for my club of like, I don't even know where it is. I don't even remember signing it, right? Like it's, I think it's in a file somewhere. Like maybe I printed it or <laughs> yeah. they have it in an Excel sheet. I don't know where it is. So, you know, that functionality, you know, it, that's all I wanted to be able to move, right? I could pull it up on my phone and say, I'm a member here. Maybe that'll help me get into, you know, other courses down uh, in Florida or something like that, right? Like the reciprocity system could be a lot easier when it's a fluid contract that you can just open your phone up and prove, right? Versus calling your pro and then you you don't know what's going on on that side of things. And it's just not as transparent as it could be. And it's just, you know, it's it's antiquated, right? Like because paper contracts, like doing your mortgage and and things like this, or they just re-upped in California. They just did all the licenses, right? going to go through the blockchain they're they're using the technology for a good purpose right hipaa and and all the healthcare eventually should go through that right it just it just means updating the systems that it's useful for there's no reason not to i'm curious uh related to <clears throat> the nft projects and, and things of that nature in, in web3 and in the overlap in golf and, and golfers themselves what, what is your what is your assessment steve of you know like how what is what is that overlap between golfers and folks who are really interested in Web three and are looking at that? Is is it a big overlap? Do you think? And yeah, and and and, uh, and yeah, and and why is that? It's a good question. I don't, you know, really. I, I think it's more of a a by chance thing in in golf that it, you know, you circled Web three people and then had a 
you know, a background of, of golf roughly, right? It wasn't anything in particular. It was just, we love the game of golf, but it's the way that people connect, right? There's, you know, this, this group I call, um, it's called grateful for golf, right? And we all are in a group together. I'll talk more about it later, but it's the way that we connect first. And then we branch off from there because we all do different things in golf and outside of golf, but golf is our initial reason why we're, why we're friends and why we work together and all those, um, all those things. I think it was the same thing in web three of just saying, all right, let's get started this way. This is a good way to organize it initially. It's a good way to capture funds and, and kind of, you know, operate in a world that's new, right? When we were stuck at home in the pandemic, there was a lot of time to think and set up stuff like this, right? I think as soon as we jumped out of it, it just went to operate like regular business again, right? Instead of raising money, they would just go through a regular series raise now, right? Like people used to do big, a big NFT drop to do, you know, their, their company raise like Moonbirds, for example, huge raise up front. It was just a series A, but it was a new way of doing it. You know, and I think I think people are understanding like it's not a a one stop shop or or you know a fix all, right? It's just going to be a tool that we use in the future. And, and the pendulum swung too far. Like everything was Web three NFTs for about a year, and then it swung back. Like all right, we're not doing any more of it, right? And now it's now it's getting into the facts of like all right, well let's just use it when it makes sense. And uh, to follow up on that question too, I think there's it's it's golf is an interesting intersection too because there's dissonance of this new school of like this brand new technology and golf. We all we also look at as very old school, very like you know stuck into in, in in a lot of the the old ways of doing things. And and I think that's an interesting dissonance. What, what, what's your take on that? Is it's almost like is it the younger folks that are doing this? Is it the older golfers that are doing this? What, what, what is your sense? I think I think all ages, like I don't think the interest level is based on anything in particular like age. Um, but I do think the new school of golf, and I really, really love how m- many new people are getting into golf, right? There's, I've always, I've played golf since I was really young. And it's always been a pretty narrow field of people who actually played, right? And the last two years, I've had more people ask me of like, take me out golfing. Can you teach me like, what do I do to get started? Where should I play? And it's, you know, a lot of ex-athletes and a lot of people I've worked with and, and all of those things. And it's, it's just become a much more popular game. I think it's because, you know, there's a little bit more style in the game and like streetwear has entered the culture. But I think that's a good thing. I think we have to lower the barrier of kind of the the feeling of walking into a golf course, right? In a private club and I better have my shirt tucked in and I'm nervous on the first tee because people are behind me. I don't want to hold them up, right? That, that there's two layers there from like the playing standpoint and then the cultural standpoint of just feeling comfortable out there. Right. And it's, you know, there's, there's two things that I kind of, you know, liquidity country club is something that I started in copyright that we were referring to before on the membership model, but behind the membership model and the, and you know, we'll, we'll dive into the actual mechanics of that and why it makes sense of, you know, reciprocity, liquidity, um, and potential leasing of memberships. Um, I think the bigger side of it is, is making golf more accessible from a part three shorter course standpoint to where it's a little bit more fluid. Just go to the first tee and there's a bench on the second hole if you want, or like a, a drink shack and you don't have to feel forced or rushed and play with, you know, six people. Right. And it's just, it just lowers the barrier of like, I'm not embarrassed anymore. I can go hit a 60 yard hole with anybody and, and it's not going to be uncomfortable. Like if you're walking up to a 7,400 yard course and you got a whole, you know, eight guys waiting for you to tee off and you're like playing four rounds a year, 
that's nerve wracking. That is not a comfortable situation to enter the game, right? Like that's, that is not how I would teach people. And just banging balls in the range really doesn't do anything. It's not as engaging. I think Top Golf did a great job for people who aren't golfers, but I actually don't think from like a golfer's standpoint, that's making you better, right? I actually think par three encapsulates all that, right? You can, those are the scoring clubs. That's where you're actually going to get better, but it welcomes people who've never played before. So, you know, and I think night golf wrapping that into it too, of like, we're just way behind on the night golf scene. Like we just put some lights up, but like we want to play all day. (laughs) Yeah. Tying it into like what we started with was that six hour round at the Muni in New York, you know, it's like, Part of that is people just don't aren't comfortable with another option while they're out there. If it is a group that's holding it up and they're all new golfers, or maybe they play, like you said, four times a year, and they're in this like brutal situation for themselves, um, a par three course is a place that you can avoid that. You know, you can bounce around potentially, or you can sit on a bench, like you said. Like that's not that's not acceptable in the current structure. Whereas on a par three course, you could. Uh, you manage those some some ways somehow, and, th- and there's examples out there. I think we always bring up Sweetens on this show. You know, Sweetens their uh, their pace of play policy is jump them, jump around, yeah. like don't hit a shot, walk past them in the fairway. Like what what do you want? You can play or or play to this hole, whatever. And that's that's like breaking the the system, right? Opening I, up new horizons. I think that's what you were talking about with your concept of liquidity country club. And I tell right. dive into it. I tell us like right. your structure, the finances of it. I, I think it's really fascinating. Well, this liquidity country club from the start, right? The whole, the whole point was the liquidity side of the country club model that you didn't really have. There's some clubs and, and there's pieces of this that kind of exist out there. Um, but nobody really put it all together at once, right? There's, The one side of things, like the reason it came up and I started thinking about it is during pandemic, we were thinking about moving potentially and we were looking at Florida. And I just started thinking about my own membership of like, all right, what happens if I leave? Like, can I transfer that somewhere? Is there kind of recapture? My initiation fee from when I joined went from here to here. So I'm like, is there any participation in that from a a member standpoint? Right. So that got me thinking of the, you know, the, the mechanics of the actual, you know, value of the membership. Right. And any, it doesn't have to be golf either. Any membership club that, you know, will, will increase in value ideally over time can be in the same conversation. Um, the other side, like we talked about was the reciprocity, right? Making it easier to prove that you're a member somewhere and also have a, a transparent list of what you can use this reciprocal network for. And there's companies out there that do that on their own, right? That's their business. Um, but again, not many country clubs have a very, you know, their, their method right now is basically call the pro and see where you can play, hopefully. Yep. Um, and also, I always wonder why it's just golf, right? Like, why can't I get a, a reservation at a local restaurant? Because I'm a member locally, maybe a day early, you know, where I special times come available to you. Or there's, there's just other things that you can incorporate with the local community by using this membership that way. Um, and the leasing side of it is really interesting for me of like, I know you're going to get pushed back right away from the old courses that are just like super private. Like we're not leasing this out to anybody, but even, even if you did go through that model and there's people who are already, you know, using the course, maybe it's a, a social member, but they want to buy, they want to play a lot in July, right? They can kind of lease somebody who's not going to be there. The golfing privileges, like there's just ways to do it. And it's also ways like if you do, you know, if you're semi-private and you want a, a membership rate, but you don't want it for a lot, 
it just welcomes people into a system like that without the big commitment, right? So you're as a member can get some recapture on the money you spent on the membership, you know, and <clears throat> the the recapture for the person, they're happy to spend it because they're not making that big commitment, right? So the, yeah. the membership on, you know, you can break down the, the finances of actually having a royalty built in for the club. So the more that the leases and, and the sales happen, the club is generating revenue that they never had before, besides letting a, a new member in. And that's their one big, you know, they get an initiation fee. But if they, you know, if they don't get any new members in and they're maxed out, there's no new revenues there. But if people trade them, they get the royalty revenues. So I, I just thought it was very interesting. Plus, like if I go away for a month, I'm not using the golf course or the food and beverage, right? So why wouldn't you want somebody in there that's going to be using that the whole month and ideally at a higher rate because they leased it for one month. So they're going to use it more actively. What's what's different about Liquidity Country Club from the old school equity memberships, right? Like equity clubs have kind of are a dinosaur that died off as well, right? And and they didn't make it. They probably made it three or four generations, but it didn't seem like many right. were making them five or six. So like, I, I know there's some stories of, you know, God, I'm thinking this one club that has like three courses. I'm blocking on its name, but it's in Florida. It's near Naples. And anyways, the, the equity, all equity. Yeah. And and they yeah. had a, a uh, it'll come to me, yeah. but they had a kind of run. It was 2008 and, and oh, know, the economy's right, yeah. tanking and they had a run on membership. Everyone's yeah. dumping their membership, trying to get their equity back. Yeah. And, and the club, I think survived, but it wasn't pretty. And they had a reverse waiting list, right? Where you couldn't get out unless you're- I still like that right now. There's yes. one in New Jersey, I'm not gonna name it. There's one within half hour of me that is the same way. You basically have to find somebody to take your membership to sell, right? And it's- Yeah. It's, so, so, so like, like you become what, like, you're a salesman for it. Like, it's just a very strange relationship when it's an equity member like that. Um, but if you let your members kind of participate in the upside, you know, and have that sort of structure, you just, you just, whatever your membership is, they're all salespeople for you now, right? I'm not, I'm not um, incentivized to really push my club in any way, right? Like the, if the initiation goes up or if there's more people on the course, I don't really get anything extra out of it besides maybe the prestige of the course goes up and I'm a member there, but there's no like hard incentives for me to, to refer people over as much, right? So it's, it's one of those things, like if you engage and make the members really an active, you know, sales force for you, it's, it's definitely gonna make the club a better environment and be, you know, people are gonna be passionate about it because they're, they're on your side. I think I, I love the, uh, uh, there's kind of a catch 22 for me in this model of uh, the inclusivity part, like on the front end, I feel that there, you know, there's this massive barrier with these high initiation fees that are just preventative. You have to make so much money to be a private club member in this country. And, and I think there's an opportunity here where if it becomes liquid, if it's an asset that can be traded, that can be, I think it'll open the door to a lot of other people. I mean, I know off the top of my hand, like, like there, there's people that are, are, can spend on golf, but they can't make that investment because they're moving to Atlanta or they got, they might get this new job or they got, you know, there's, they're too, they're liquid themselves. They're flexible than lifestyle. And so, um, that would open the door for a lot of those people. So I love that element of it. But then I think about the reverse side of it, which is, well, what if they're trading their asset with someone that 
just flat out sucks. You know, they, they drink a million transfusions and they drive carts into the lake. Like that's how they get off. Like what, like how do you protect against that with this and still make it more inclusive? Like keep the traditions of golf, which I think all of us here are like, you know, we grew up with proper pace of play and, and talking about those things. Like that, that is one of the beautiful things of the game is that like mutual respect. How do we, how do we, you know, break down these barriers, create more, uh, inclusivity, but then protect the traditions that really make the game what it is. Right. So I, I think it just boils down to the membership process, right? So every club is still going to have their, their membership process that they choose, right? That's not the technology and how you own the contract. It's just how you're going to set it up, you know, after you approve somebody, right? So the, you can't protect against somebody. Somebody can get through the membership process, no problem, and then act like that. And you didn't really know anyway. So you're always going to have a contract with the member to say, all right, you have to act a certain way to, to keep your membership. But I like it. I like it being that way instead of, you know, on the front end of like, all right, you can't, you can or can't join here based on whatever the membership committee kind of decides. And you don't know what's actually driving that, you know, decision, which has always been kind of an issue in the private clubs yeah. And, yeah. in the country. And it's, I like it, you know, come one, come all. But just act right when you get here and you're you're allowed in. We want you to be a part of the club. Like that's the inclusive nature. But you know, obviously anybody that acts like that, you're gonna have a code of conduct for the club that you have to adhere by. Like that's that's anywhere, you know. And yeah. it's I definitely think that's uh the future of the game. Um, you know, and people are people are gonna have to lower the entry point from a, a cost perspective to really capture this lower um you know, this group of beginners that don't have the experience in golf that, you know, are comfortable spending that amount of money on a private club, you know, the more middle ground for golf, which of course I believe is, is part three and more of a social atmosphere. So it's building, you know, I'll, I'll tease uh, kind of what we're doing in, uh, in New York, but it's going to be driving distance from the city and Albany. Um, but same thing. We want to build that part three course with night golf. Um, we want pickleball out there with, with lights underneath it, because that's a, you know, a very popular and growing game. Rise, man. Most popular um, game in America. That's it. But you gotta, you gotta attach fun sides of it, right? Like I want a social club attached. I want some cool, you know, modern cabins or places to stay in a great clubhouse with, you know, hospitality from people who've done it before. Right. It doesn't have to be, you know, the old country club field where it's, you know, 20% of the you know, the dining room is full, you know, you got to have more action than that. And it, it's more social than anything else. Like I, it, the reason I wanted to lower the barriers is because a lot of opportunity comes from golf, right? I know a lot of my friends from golf, a lot of business from golf. And if you don't play it and you're not comfortable doing it, you're missing out on those opportunities socially and, and, you know, in business. And, and that's something that I think from even from a younger perspective, um, I'm on the board of the Pain Store Kids Foundation, and they do an amazing program that you use these animated clubs, right? They're big irons, and you're hitting a tennis ball into a net instead of the the traditional, you know, golf clubs that are very hard to hit. And it's very, you know, it's a frustrating thing for somebody who's young. And it's really the first thing that you can get to, I, I assume, is the first tee, right, which is seven or eight years old. But they get to kids when you're starting to play other sports like soccer and t-ball in that four to seven year old range. So that, I think that's an important part too, of just like incorporated with other sports. If you're hitting into a net with big clubs and a tennis ball, you could play in the city, 
you play in a public park, in a gym. You don't need a golf course per se to go have fun and play golf, right? And I think that's where the game needs to go. Just make it make it more normal from a sport perspective of like, I want to put my son or daughter into soccer, t-ball, and golf, right? I don't have that choice until, unless I was at my country club, which it, that shouldn't be the barrier, right? The barrier should be, it's just public in my, you know, in New Jersey and Middlesex County, you should sign up as any other sport, but we just don't have that right now. The the infrastructure hasn't been built to withstand that. And that's really the grow the game model of like what they should be promoting, right? It's not, you know, some of the things in the past that I just think, you know, were a little internal, you know, changes, which helped a little bit, but it wasn't a massive change from a, let's get a whole new group of people in here. And, and yeah. people who never even thought of golf as a possible activity because there was no access, right? That That's what we need to start really driving towards. Yeah, we, we talked on an uh, episode a couple shows ago with uh, Team Golf and how Team Golf is like so far from, or for kids, it's so far from us. You know, I played pickup basketball, Mark played pickup hockey. It was just like, you, you had equipment, yes, but you show up and you play. And I think that for for the start, you know. I love to, it, yeah, start, I love that episode. There's gotta be pickup, you know, you gotta have some pickup. Mm-hmm. Um, I, want to, I, I want to go in a Pick little bit more five. on par three. <laughs> Because you, I know you're passionate about par three courses, and uh, we've seen an emergence of it for sure. I think it starts with the resorts, right? Or I'd like to hear where you think it starts, but I, I kind of point to, um, you know, the preserve at Bandon. Obviously, the cradle uh, was popular, and then mm-hmm. and at Pinehurst and then Sand Valley's got the Sandbox, and these places have now expanded. And and I know country clubs are if they got property, they're looking oh, yeah. at redesigning driving ranges and getting the par three for their juniors to start or for spouses or, you know, friends even that, that you, you wouldn't have show up on the first tee with those eight people eating lunch behind you, but it's perfect. So I, I just, I know you're passionate about this. Tell us like where you think this goes next. Is it, um, where, where's the par three? What, what role will the par three play moving forward for, for golf? So I, I really look at it as a, as a wider net for, two things for people entering the game, right? So you're going to, you're going to lower that barrier down to something that is much more welcoming to come and play, right? That, that in itself is going to widen the net significantly to get people actually playing our game, right? The second side of it is going to capture more people who don't have the six hours to to sit, you know, at a Muni and, and, you know, play with whoever they're playing with at the time. But I want to be able to go out and play in an hour, play in, an hour and a half and just get my golf fix, you know, within a short period of time. But like, I'm still hitting shots that are, you know, going to help me and get better, right? They're not just pounding balls into a net or at a driving range. You get kind of bored after a while doing that, you know, unless you're those tour pros that hit thousands of balls all the time. It's, you know, I'm, I'm good after like 60 balls. Like I'd rather be playing and putting and doing all that stuff. So I just think it's going to get people playing more often. And then that becomes, a much better social arrangement too. If you're, if you can play a quick nine in an hour with somebody, like, I don't know if you entertain clients before, but when you commit to a big round (laughs) with the client and you don't know what kind of golfer they are, that's a big, that's a big commitment, right? Like you're making much less of a commitment across the board when it's a quick par three round, right? We're going to have three loops of six and the six holes are all going to be different, right? One's going to be kind of a wellness journey and it's more into like, 
the land, right? It's the way that it feels. And we'll have the smoothie shack halfway through, right? Like it'll, it'll be that. Then we'll have a beginner one where you can like hit run up shots and it's very chill, a little bit easier. And then we'll have a really like tricked up like gambling course, right? <laughs> Play like oh hoopy almost of like a part of three, like do whatever you want out there. Um, but it's going to be hard shots. It's going to be, you know, really tricked up, but that's like, at least you have options, right? It's quick. It's an hour. Like I'm going to go grab a drink. Like the cradle is one of my favorite places. Like just go out there, grab a drink and just kind of walk around with a putter and some wedges. Like that's so much fun, but it doesn't take up your whole deck. Right. So I, I think that's, you know, those are the two things that I'm really excited about on this side. And the fact that you can add in some good food and beverage and, and hospitality on top of it, you know, it's just a good way to kind of enhance a social experience. I, and now I've got to inter- inject some controversy because as someone who has bring up live, aren't you? No. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. Mark, no, no. huge live guy, Mark. <laughs> no, I'm just a controversy guy. I just, uh, I just oh, like a controversy. Likes to poke um, the bears. As, as, as someone who has zero hole-in-ones in my life oh, and go. a long time ago, at what point, at what point is it a hole-in-one on a part of three course or not? If there's a tee box. Wow. That's it. I don't care how far it is. If you hit putter, abandon down that hill and it goes in, that's all one. 100%. I'll tell you, I tell you, I, I flipped on this and I'll tell you why. Okay. And Mark probably already knows this, but a good friend of mine, Putter Johnson. How's that for a name of a golfer? Putter. His actual name? It is. He's much more of a ball striker and, and he's a flusher, really. But he is, he's a very mediocre putter. Love you, putter. But that's Seems the like truth. Um, he, he makes one his first ever, and he's a huge golfer, obviously with name like that, but he's played everywhere, tons of rounds. It's incredible. He doesn't have a hole in one. He makes one at sand Valley on, let's see, there's 17 holes there. So that's the 16th hole. It's the best par three hole there is. It's a Redan. It's one of the best Redans I've ever played. Like it, it just, he fed in off the kicker. It drops in the hole. Everyone goes nuts. And I, he wouldn't count. He's like, how do I count this? And and it, I was like, you're counting it. What are you talking about? You hit an eight iron, you know, 165 yards and it went in the bottom of the cup. Like you got to count it. It counts. Part threes count. And that's where I was. And he, I kind of got him convinced of that, but we're at the bar later <laughs> and someone asked him, uh, uh, have you ever had a part three? Have you ever had a hole in one? And I just start laughing because it was literally like, I think it was the day after. I just start laughing. Like, yeah, of course. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I've, I've had a hole in one. He goes, oh yeah, what course? And he goes, the sandbox. And the guy goes, oh, come on. And and I was like, oh, oh no. Brutal, oh yeah. no, now it now it becomes like, because there are, like you said, putter, yeah. Steve, and I, I respect your opinion. I'm not trying to knock it, no, but I put so. myself... I put myself in his shoes and I was like, ah, oh, then you have to You're thinking regulation. Yeah. Then you have to go like explain it a little further. You're like, yeah, it was the sandbox, but it was yeah. 165 yards and it was from the back to you. Da, 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 da. So that's my, that's my position. It doesn't count. It's, it's, it's a good argument. I mean, I'm counting it personally because I feel good about it and went in, but For sure. But that's tough. Yeah. It'd be like, all right, what's your real one? Like that's a follow-up question, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, sure. Um, but again, if it, if it could be a part three on a regular course, I'm like, you know, what, what is a regular course, right? Like it's, it becomes that conversation of like, what's, the what's, you know, is a tournament 54 holes not to bring it up again, right? Like it's all of those things. It's like what actually counts and why, like, I always love like tradition is great, but also there's, 
there's different versions of it now. Like I think if we had part three courses everywhere with night golf, it would count for something, right? Yeah. But the fact that there's pitch and putt tracks like vaguely around the country, you know, they're just not a thing. So it's of course it feels a little lesser when it's like that. Yeah, I agree. If, if you got to redefine the golf course and um, and we're trying to redefine a lot of things in golf, I yeah. think, and maybe this qualifies, maybe it doesn't, maybe it's just up I, for debate. I, if there's a one on the scorecard though, is it, a, you know? Exactly, yeah. I, I put this one in the category of, of hills I will not die on because <laughs> I think I think the part through, like the hole-in-one argument is very similar to, uh, it's match play awareness month for a new club. We're always, we're always playing match play, always encouraging it. And we like to have fun with the term all square. And, and people get bent out of shape when anyone uses the word tied, you know, tied isn't, it's always been all square. Like that's a tradition of golf. And I, draw. <laughs> it's a, or it's a draw in soccer. Good, great point. Good point. Um, I love all square. I will always say all square, but if you want to say tied, like have at it. I, I, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's semantics and it becomes exclusionary when we start to say like, it has to be this way. I will hopefully convince you to use all square if you're a new golfer. If not, no problem. Like still welcome and enjoy yourself. I think the part three thing is, is your, to your point, Steve, it's like one of its main purposes is to get people on green grass golf, to get people not just from top golf or simulators or, you know, playing in the park, but getting them to a real golf course and get it in the hole. Cause that to me is the game. Simulator golf, like I, I love it. It's not the game of golf for me. It's, it's getting that ball in a hole that's out in the distance that you see and, and it gives you that hope and dream and that's golf. Right. I'm also so I love, I love the fact that the best players to ever play this game started shorter. They didn't, who was it? It was Jack's dad or Tiger's dad didn't let him hit a driver or, or didn't let him play the back tees or something. So it was, it was shortening the course from their standpoint. If it's good enough for the best players in the world of all time, you know, why, why wouldn't you want to start? I know people want to go out there and like just pound a driver. Like that's fun but you're not going to get better at golf. You're not going to fall in love when you're not as good at golf. Sure. You'll hit it 300, but then it'll take you a six from there. Right. It's, it's, it's a very different game. So I always look at it that way of like fall in love first and then you can stretch it out. Right. By the time you're ready to stretch it out, they'll probably have the balls in like a foam, you know, 70% track back, you know, it's fine. <laughs> Just learn it now. You're going to need to learn how to hit irons and wedges anyway. I need hey, to talk about on that. it's all the controversy yeah. in this spot. Yeah. Hey, if the if the marshmallow ball of the USGA keeps us hey. uh, going, maybe <laughs> all we'll have is par threes. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I'd pick uh, the good business to be in if they dial it all the way back to just par threes, right? So, <laughs> yeah. There's always yeah. that. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's exciting, man, what you're doing and just the idea that it's, it's uh, really serious and intelligent and uh, uh, well-funded people are behind it. Like, I think that's, you know, we have ideas all the time, but when you start seeing stuff come into reality and then it's like applications to the real world are working, it, it makes you optimistic about the future of golf. Yeah, it's been, my favorite part of this is like, I've always just loved golf, but I've never been in the business of golf, right? It was, I was always finance, as you said, and it's, you know, playing a lot of outings right and that's that's the extent of the golf that i got to engage in from a business standpoint but i met the most amazing people through golf in the business side of this right there's there's been a partners on the on this project i won't name them yet but they're you know leaders in their industry they're changing the face of golf they're you know some of the most stylish people in the game by far and it's 
it's really a, a great way to connect. And, and just to go back to that group, Grateful for Golf, has been one of the best things. Shout out to uh, KC and Scott Garber. Um, is one Chicago of the guys, right? Had. So AC, uh, Adrian, is a Chicago guy, which I think he'll have him on or he'll be engaged somehow. So he's got a show on the links with other athletes. It's fantastic. You should watch it. Um, but that group is just so high level and everybody comes together in, in gratitude, really, within golf. And, you know, that's that's what they started on to help at-risk youth, you know, do financial literacy and get involved in golf and potentially jobs later or internships and stuff like that. But that was the North Star for everybody, right? Everybody's tangentially attached somehow to to golf, but everybody's doing their own thing, but they're helping each other because it's based initially in gratitude and just friendship and good people across the board. So that's what I, I've always loved about golf. You meet, you know, you get paired up with a random single and that becomes your friend. Like I have so many friends that we just got paired up on the first tee, right? So it's just one of those things. It's it's a very, very good filter uh, for people and, and the way that people act, right? Golf within life, if you, you know, you can tell instantly what kind of person it is as soon as you're on the golf course with them. Yeah, it's, it, it is the beauty of it. And I think when we got started, one thing Mark and I acknowledged uh, right off the hop is that there wasn't uh, there, there there wasn't consistent gratitude for the game. And a lot of us, uh, there's some selfish tendencies in golf, obviously being an individual sport, but man, you see the burnout in the industry and you see, you see the people that are working their ass off to make this game what it is, not get a sense of fulfillment from it. And that that's unfortunate. And I, that's why I like what great for, Grateful for Golf is doing, tying it into the industry too, getting people that start there and, and that hopefully have a long career in it. Because to, to your earlier point of all it can give you, it can be one of the most rewarding games and it is this metaphor for life and it opens up doors and it, you learn about yourself. Like, uh, all, that is just a good thing for more people. And if we can get yeah, it's, it's you know, more been, people that don't look like us, frankly, to, to be a part of it, 100%. that's a good thing. And it's, again, opening the doors and being cognizant of it, right? If we're thinking about it, if we're opening doors, if we're, you know, coming to the table with gratitude with, you know, just giving instead of having an, a, a different mind and, and, you know, what am I going to get back for this? You know, that's that's way too much of just business in general, that's life in general, but you got it. You got to come to the table and really just believe it from the beginning. So yeah, it's been great. I mean, that's been one of the best things I've done in the last year is when they started that and just connecting with everybody on that standpoint. Yeah, it's great. As, uh, as one of our, um, East coast ambassadors for new club, man, are, are, are we going to see yet anything this year? I know we're not, we don't have many fixtures. Sure. Or East, East yeah, coast I gotta, anymore, but I'm definitely going to come, I'm going to come to Chicago, see, see a game or two for, for AC. Um, nice. but I'll definitely try to squeeze in some golf. I know the, the end of that season, um, wraps up pretty quick in Chicago, but I'm definitely down for that. And I haven't played golf in Atlanta either. So I'm, uh, interested in getting out to the, to the two places. I like the Perfect. fact that it all pushed me into, you know, also be on the business side of it, but when everybody's golfing too, it's, it enhances conversations very quickly. Yeah, that's that's the beauty of it, man. And we want to have you uh, in in the tech space. Talk to us a little bit about everything we're doing for ambassadors too, because like I think you'd have some great insight. Because we have some amazing people. I, I've always been the game in general introduces you to so many amazing people. But within New Club, we got some awesome people. We just want to connect them better. And so maybe there's some blockchain in our future. I don't know. Yeah, I what think, do you think Mark? Well, that's a that's a good plug for something I have coming up. I started uh, with a partner of mine, Christine. 
um, we started Hamptons Tech Week. Um, so it is a it was Web3 focused in the beginning, and now it's more of the 2.5 or the bridge into blockchain, right? It's it's companies that you would recognize and case studies that aren't, you know, NFT projects, right? It's what the Starbucks of the world are doing in, in the space or where tech's going. We're going to have a lot of AI conversations, the future of memberships, obviously. There's a lot of those pieces that um, we'll be speaking about during Hems Tech Week, which is June 27th to the 29th. But I think you're... Your model and your, you know, um, all of the members, you know, would definitely benefit from it. I think your model in particular is a good group to to have on stage and kind of explain how you've started and how the tech is enhanced. Because I think, you know, through the way that we engaged in, in the pandemic, you guys have have really ratcheted up quickly, right? I I heard about you from a bunch of people in a short period of time, and then I realized you've been around for a while. Right. Yeah. So it was, it was one of those things. It's it's enhancing everybody's membership and the way that the world is kind of changing. Nobody's in offices anymore. You're you're a country club without real estate. It feels like that with work and life and golf now. Yeah. So, yeah, I would love to have you guys out here this tech week. We'll be at the Southampton Arts Center at the end of July. Extend that stay right through July 4th. Play Montauk Downs. It's just a good time. As, as long as you can we swing past uh, Hofstra? Give me a tour of the campus. I could oh, have been on choice. someday. <laughs> yeah, I feel like yeah, I missed my. I might have missed my. Uh, my and they have a medical school now, so the school looks better than when I went to it. <laughs> I'm like, keep <laughs> yeah. going, guys. It makes it makes my degree look a little bit better. Thanks for the medical <laughs> school. Yeah. yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, Salva, thanks, man. This is awesome chatting with you. Uh, where where can folks find you? Kind of last last bit. Where can folks find you if they they want to uh, chat? Um. So you know, I use Instagram a lot for business, but. Uh, ethereal.global is the company that we are consulting through. Um, obviously, just personal DM on everything has been great. Uh, and also just email at sabo at ethereal.global. Everything Liquidity Country Club is going to run through that. Um, you know, we're going to be announcing a lot more of our uh, our project uh, near New York. You know, that's that's growing quickly and it's, it's getting some legs. And I'm really excited to kind of share about that. We're going to kind of shift the you know, the tone a little bit in this area and, and get some of these cool things we talked about up here. We'll, we'll have you back on too when, when everything becomes yeah, public. So thanks, man. Thanks for uh, being with us. Yeah, it was nice meeting you, Mark. And uh, thanks for having me. Yes, Steve. I love our member pods, maybe more than our celebrity pods. Uh, it just reminds me to uh, to get out there and meet more new club members because like Sabo's a n- new member, right? Doesn't live in one of our local chapters, but uh, a really great guy. Just, yeah. just loved what he had to say about all these cool projects and finance tech and golf he's working on. But what were you? What was your takeaway from our chat? I mean, one is I I, I agree that our members are just so. They're, they're so dynamic and so interesting. And and we talk about golf and play golf and and when we learn about what they do and how they're involved with things, it's just fascinating how many, what, what, what folks are involved in from every industry. And, and Sabo in the, in the web three industry, the main takeaway is how this relates to, to the future of golf. And honestly, what, what we're trying to do as well. And with our own club, you know, I mean, 
we're, we're, we're not, we haven't waded into NFTs with our membership at all, but you know, we're, we're still, we're still changing the industry in a lot of ways. We're still, we're still shaking up how, how a membership should be just with the idea of a club without real estate that in America is new in itself and, and challenging for our industry as a whole. So, you know, as we reflect on that and how we can continue to improve that side of the world and continue to, you know, essentially bring value to our club and, and bring value to the industry as a whole. And that was my takeaway is that, you know, these new ideas in our golf ecosystem, it can all be uh, a, a, a happy ecosystem and we can bring in new ideas that don't disrupt the traditions that we want to hold on to, but also bring in new things to bring more folks into the game and um, and, and bring more um, enjoyment into the game is, is, is what our main mission is. So um, just it related to Web3 as well and, and just hearing the, the brand new ideas like that, things that I barely even understand was just um, – it's, it's just really cool to hear, hear things like that and hear new ideas that, are, that people aren't afraid to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I liked that he, sometimes I hear – you know, people talk about crypto or NFTs and I feel like they're referencing kind of unicorns, like everything's sweet. I mean, it's the crypto bros, right? Like yeah. let's just call it the the new stereotype. We used to have the, uh, <laughs> right. you know, the finance guys with their um, uh, vests and, you know, walking down Wall Street. It, but now it's like the crypto bros. That's just a new stereotype of, of right. the business world. And uh, I just like he had more of a, a pragmatic maybe or a realistic view on like, listen, the tech is, is what it's at. And, and I've felt that and I've, but I don't know enough to kind of, you know, say it with confidence, but he's like, this tech is transformative, but the, the NFT or the crypto, it's an asset class. You know, I like that he, he said that. And that's, um, makes it a little bit more clear in my mind of like, okay, what is its utility for golf now? Let's talk about it from, from that standpoint. And I, and I know there's so much to be sorted out in that world, but, uh, yeah, just fascinating, fascinating and how it, it touches, probably every aspect of our lives, but uh, our memberships and what we're right. doing. And right. Um, I also, my other thought was uh, Quest for the Crown. I don't know why it was coming to me, but it's just the fact that like we took a existing technology and are using it in a way that is so different. So our Quest for the Crown, for those that don't know, is our season long team competition where every one of our members is participating. It is the largest ever attempted digitally scored competition. And so it's like, doesn't matter what course you're on, doesn't matter what tier you're playing, you, you declare it and you post it and it contributes to a team. And I just think like, even out of existing technologies, there's different ways that we can use them. And like, what is, what does that look like? What does competition look like in the blockchain? Like I, I my head kind of went there a little bit and having your own profiles directly with with your club. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, pretty heady stuff. You can go, you can go down a lot of rabbit holes in that conversation, but I'm glad we had him on, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to chat with him more about it. Yeah, it's great. And, and, and members in the Northeast too, you know, that, that our ambassador membership has grown up there and, and we're having a lot of conversations with folks in New York and, and, uh, in the Jersey area and, and all those areas up there that golf is there. There's the, the appetite for sure for, uh, folks who are looking for, new ideas. And, you know, we, uh, we obviously have our vice captain, John Vingiano up there. That's going to help out with a lot of things. And, and, and our, and our, uh, ambassador captain, Josh Bilke up in Minnesota, just building the idea of, uh, working through 
um, getting as much engagement with our ambassadors as possible. And so we're all, we all feel like a part of the club, regardless of where we are, even if you're not in Chicago or Atlanta. So um, all these ideas and all these, these technology plays and quest for the crown is, is uh, yeah, just exciting times now. Exciting time in golf for, for sure. And, and for us as a club. That it is also exciting. The spring meeting. It's two weeks away. Thanks to our, our sponsor, our partner, our supporter, whatever the heck you want to call them. Their golf blueprint. They help us get better at our game. Uh, there is really only one way to get better, I, I, I believe. And it's either uh, uh, practice or your mental game. Okay, those are two ways, I guess. But uh, the practice is big. That's what Golf Blueprint helps you with. Is It's like getting a personal trainer for your golf game. You just don't go to the gym and start, you know, picking up dumbbells and throwing them around in different ways. Like, no, you prescribe what your body needs. That's what they do for your golf game. They give you a very prescriptive routine that you can dive into. Professor Dico, Nico, Nico Daris and, uh, uh, the, well, he's the doc. And then the professor, Kevin Moore, uh, they came up with this program and it's been awesome for a ton of our members. So they are with us at the spring meeting next week. Uh, say hi hang out and and we're gonna have a blast around sweden's code for two days i cannot wait mark thanks for uh, filling in for the professor you done fantastic i think this might be a Appreciate try host episode uh, or, or show from here on out you know like <clears throat> again uh kevin has has been such a great addition to the pod and you know uh, i think compliments you well so you know i'll I'll step in when I need to. Hey, man, I just, I'm, I'm, I learned, here, I'm here for the team. I learned long ago, I'm going to need to surround myself with people a heck of a lot smarter than I. So you, Kevin, whoever else, you guys bring it, bring it up a level. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, take care and enjoy the week. <laughs>